Hello and welcome back to New Eastman Baptist Church's Sermon Archive. We're so grateful that you've taken the opportunity to listen to our sermons here at New Eastman Baptist Church. In this sermon, we continue a series through the mission statement of New Eastman Baptist Church. In this sermon, we see that we are going to live in one another fellowship. How we first should be a member of the fellowship, that is, a member of the fellowship with God through salvation and belief in Him, and also a member of the church. Then we will see that we should be devoted to the fellowship, and lastly, how to live in one another fellowship by living out the one another's of God's word. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great week. If you have any questions about the gospel or Nilly's Bend Baptist Church, please email us at nbbc at nilly'sbendbaptist.org. Today in our sermon, we're going to be learning about a how to live in a one another fellowship. If you notice in the video, we talk about loving one another. Love one another. And essentially, the whole point of loving one another is within this body, within this congregation, within this church, we should love and care deeply for one another. And then that will overall extend even to those outside of our church through love, through love. Today, to start with, fellowship. What do you think of when you hear the word fellowship? There could be several things that could come to mind, right? You could think of fellowship in the academic sense where someone who is given an award of money in pursuit of a specific study. You could think of fellowship as like a team where there's members who are of a, a team and they're fellows in this fellowship together competing in a game to win games. You can think of fellowship as one having fellowship with God, fellowship with Christ. You can think of fellowship as a group of people who share a common interest. And all these thoughts on fellowship would be right. But what does fellowship mean for us within the church? What does it mean for us right here within Neely's Bend Baptist Church. It means that we are a local body of believers who are united by the gospel of Jesus, living to glorify God together. United by the gospel, living to glorify God together. As a church, we are a fellowship of believers, a fellowship of believers united to equip people with the gospel, a fellowship of believers joined together to live in worship of God. A fellowship of believers joined together to live on mission by making disciples. A fellowship of believers who are one another people. This Sunday we are going to continue in our sermon series on the mission of Neely's Bend Baptist Church. A series in which I preach through the big themes of our mission statement so we can have a good, solid understanding for us as a church. But let's take a moment here and just together, let's read through our mission statement together. Neely's Ben Baptist Church exists to glorify God by equipping people with the gospel of Jesus to live in one, excuse me, let's back up. I'm thinking about today's sermon. To live in worship of God. To live in one another fellowship. And on mission to make disciples in Neely's Bend, Madison, and beyond.
In the first sermon, we learned that we exist to what? Glorify God. We learned that God is all glorious. We learned that we are created to glorify God as humans and that the church exists to give God glory. In the second sermon of the series, we learned that we exist to what? Equip people with the gospel. We equip those outside the church with the gospel so they can become to believing faith in Jesus Christ. And we learned that we equip those inside our church with the gospel so they continue to grow in spiritual maturity and faith. We evangelize and we disciple. In the third sermon of the series, we learned that we live in worship of God. We praise God. We give God worship with our lips. And we worship God through service, serving Him and serving others. Today in this sermon, we will learn what it means to live in one another fellowship. Before we get there, I want to continue to highlight the phrase to live. But before we go any farther, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for Jesus, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this mission that you've given us here at New East Bend, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that we as a church will continue to strive to live this mission out. That we will put it in front of us and that we will set it as a goal and we will aim for it, Lord. Lord, help us to live to glorify you. Help us live to equip people with the gospel. Help us to live in worship of you. Help us to live in one another fellowship and help us to live on mission by making disciples here in Neely's Bend, Madison, and beyond, Lord. Lord, as I proclaim your word this morning, help me to preach your truth. Help me to preach your word and your word alone, Lord. God, help me to preach with simplicity, clarity, and passion. And Lord, I pray that there's one here who doesn't have fellowship with you this morning, Lord, that today is the day that they have fellowship with you through believing in you and coming to know you as Savior and Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I really want us to, as a church, to fully grasp this short little phrase, to live. To live. Because I believe that this is what God teaches us, is to live the Christian life, to live these three things. Paul in Galatians chapter 5 gives us a great picture of how to live. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. To live means that we will live in a way that does not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul then goes on and he lists all these works of the flesh. And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, he says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The picture Paul is painting here is one in which the Christian, the believer, lives a life in which they walk by the Spirit. A life in which they produce and put out the fruits of the Spirit. A life that produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. And in verse 25 through 26, Paul goes on and says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying 
one another. Church, God's word here encourages us to be a people that lives in the Spirit, a people that walks in the Spirit. And church, I promise if you live and you walk in the Spirit, you will be able to live this Christian life we are called to. And as we walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit, we will ultimately live in one another fellowship. Just from chapter 5 alone, here in Galatians, you can get the idea that the Galatian church was struggling to live in a very healthy one another fellowship. In verse 14, Paul writes that they should love your neighbor as yourself. And then he follows it with this, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. In verse 26, Paul exhorts them to not be conceited, as we see here not provoking one another, not envying one another. The Galatian church seemed to have been living in a very unhealthy one another relationship. They bit and devoured one another. They provoked and envied one another. But Paul in verse 16 teaches them to walk in the Spirit. For us as a church to have a healthy one another fellowship, we must all be walking and living by the Spirit. So how are we to live in one another fellowship? I believe the Bible teaches of three ways for us to live in one another fellowship. Three ways for us to live in one another fellowship. The first way to live in one another fellowship, one must be a member of the fellowship. One must be a member of the fellowship. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the Word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Continues in verse 5 and says, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And in verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, the Son, cleanses us from all sin. I hope as we read through that, you were able to pick up on the word fellowship being used multiple times here. And there's two ways that the word fellowship is ultimately used here in this passage. It is used in the sense that believers have fellowship with God, with Christ, and it is used in the sense that believers have fellowship with one another within the local church. The two senses of the word fellowship both sum up what it means to be a member of the fellowship. So let's take a look at these two senses. The first sense we're going to look at is we must be a member of the fellowship of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. We must be a member of the fellowship of God. 
If you look at verses 1 through 3 again, the author says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it to testify of it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. I want to pause here for a moment and just, because I think there's a question that needs to be answered. Who is the author talking about here? Who is this person? The author is talking about Jesus, right? Jesus is from the beginning. Jesus is the one they heard. Jesus is the one they seen. Jesus is the one they looked upon and touched with their hands. Jesus is the word of life. Jesus was made manifest here on this earth. Jesus is the one who gives eternal life. And because Jesus was made manifest, and because Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us, because Jesus lived a perfect life and sacrificially died on the cross for our sins, and then rose from the dead, three days later, those who believe have eternal life in Him. And therefore the author continues, and he says in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. The Jesus that we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. The author is saying here in verse 10 that they proclaim Jesus. They proclaim Jesus so that they that those who don't believe may believe in Jesus and have fellowship, become a member of the fellowship, but more importantly, have fellowship with God and with Christ. Now, if you notice something here, the author says that their fellowship, the ones who they are already members of the fellowship, is with the Father and the Son. And the point he's making here is that you must first be a member of the fellowship that is with the Father and with the Son, before you can be a member of the fellowship of the local church. So how does one become a member of the fellowship of God in Christ? How does one have a relationship with God? You have a relationship with God by believing in Jesus, confessing Him as Lord, calling upon His name. And the moment we are saved, the moment we believe, we will have fellowship with God. And then you would also become part of another fellowship. The fellowship of one another. The second sense is that we become a member of the fellowship of believers. And more specifically, the fellowship of the local church. It is thought that the letter of 1 John was written to a congregation. So when the author writes in verse 3 that they may have fellowship with us, he means that they become a member of of the local church fellowship there. They become a part of the local church. We see the same phrase in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. The point that is being made here is that believers, those who believe, should join themselves to a fellowship of a local church. The Christian life is not meant to be a life that is lived in solitude, that is lived alone. The Christian life is meant to be lived in fellowship with other believers. And what better place to do that than to join the fellowship of a local church? 
You will not find anywhere in God's Word of believers living alone, living by themselves. They are always a part of a group of believers. We see throughout the New Testament of believers joining together themselves with other believers to become part of the local church. The New Testament is clear that believers should join themselves to a local church to be a part of a local church. And that means so, so, so many great things for your life and for the life of the church. Therefore, if you are here today and you are not a member of Neely's Bend Baptist Church, I want to encourage you to join together with us in membership here at Neely's Bend to become a part of this church to become a part of this one another fellowship that God has called us to. If this is you and you are interested in becoming a part of this fellowship, I want to encourage you to come to our new members' interest meeting that we're having next Sunday, directly after the service. This will give you an opportunity to learn so much more about why you should join a local church. It will help you to learn more about who we are as a church and what we believe as a church. And it will also serve as an opportunity for you to ask questions and just to know more about what it means for you to be a member in this church and for what it means for the church that you are a member in this church. The second way for us to live in one another fellowship is to be devoted to the fellowship. To be devoted to the fellowship. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 42. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 42 says this, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Amen? Isn't that great? And in verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. To give you some brief background here in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples to be His witness in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and into the remotest parts of the earth. He says that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. At the beginning of Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes and then Peter will preach a sermon. A sermon in which 3,000 people respond by believing and being baptized. This would mark the beginning of the church of Jerusalem. Now, did this church have pastors and deacons? Probably not. Did they have other structures in place? Probably not. But we do see that this church had leaders. The apostles were the ones leading the church. They were teaching the church. They were the ones preaching and teaching. And all of those who had believed, as verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. These 3,000 people were devoted to the fellowship. Devoted. They were committed to being a, a part of the fellowship. I think there's something here for us to learn. To learn from the early church. We as believers now should be devoted and committed to the fellowship. Devoting and committing yourself to something that is ultimately something that many people are not... Let me rephrase this. Devoting, committing yourself is ultimately something that a lot of people are scared of nowadays. They're afraid of. Because if I devote myself to something or I commit myself to something, that ultimately means I have to say no to something else, right? 
And so therefore people get scared to commit themselves and devote themselves to saying yes to this or yes to that. We live in also, we live in a very non-committed society. You can sign up for something, such as a subscription plan, and then the next day you can cancel it. There's no commitment. There's no commitment for a year or two years or five years. People get married, right? And a few short years later, life gets a little hard, things get a little challenging. And because we don't live in a very committed society, people just go and get a divorce. The same thing can happen with jobs. People get jobs, they work a few days, they decide they don't like it, and then they go on somewhere else. Nothing in our world really requires commitment anymore. But you know what? I believe that God's Word demands commitment from us to Him, and I believe that God's Word demands commitment to a local church. To be committed and devoted to the fellowship. So I want to encourage you that within this one another fellowship to be devoted to it, to give yourself to being a part of this fellowship, to give yourself to serving and loving this fellowship. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14, actually 12 through 21, earlier, whenever I read a little bit of it, Paul writes that the body, the physical body, which the physical body is made up of many different parts, right? It's made up of eyes, it's made up of ears, it's made of nose, it's made of a mouth. You got hands, you got feet. And all of these parts of the body, they all work together for one purpose, right? They all work together. But if one part of the body doesn't serve that purpose, then the body in some way is hindered, right? It would be more challenging to live life with one hand. As someone who is partially deaf, it's really challenging to live life without hearing aids. So you get this idea that we each have a role. And the picture that Paul is painting here, he compares it to the local church. And, and the local church is ultimately one body, and it's made up of many different members. Many different types of members. Each with different giftings and callings. He basically says that some are eyes, and some are hands, and some are feet, and some are ears. And essentially what Paul is doing here is he is calling those within the church to be devoted to serving the local church with what they have been gifted with. And we all have been gifted with something, right? My encouragement is for you to determine what it is that you have been gifted with. What has God gifted you with? And begin to try to find ways to use that gifting within this church. I would love to have conversation with you about that, to find a place for you to be able to serve this church. Because by serving this church, through your gifting, and you are being devoted to this fellowship. And we are living in one another fellowship. The third way that we can live in one another fellowship is ultimately to live in one another fellowship. I know that sounds a little contradicting, but you will see here in a second what I'm talking about. But we want to live in one another fellowship. When I first began thinking through our mission statement and combining and putting together everything that our transition team had thought of and put together for at a meeting, the first word that I had in the spot of one another was caring. For us to live in a caring fellowship, 
And the reason for it was because the church has a sign down in the fellowship hall that says that we are the caring church, right? So it made sense. It brought in a little bit of our history into the mission statement of the church. But the Lord began to kind of work on my heart. And He put on my heart for us to be something greater than just a caring fellowship. And thus became the word, one another fellowship. And this one another will actually include the caring part. It actually includes so much more than just caring for one another. I don't know if you've ever done a study on all the one another passages of Scripture, but there's a lot of them. There is several of them. But many of them, or excuse me, so many of them that I don't have the time to really preach every one of them. If I did, we'd be here for a lot longer than you would want to be here. I know some of you are excited about watching the Super Bowl tonight, and you might miss out on that if I just continue preaching through all these one another statements. But the point, the biggest point that I want us to leave here knowing today is that we are going to be a one another church. A church that is here for one another. A church that no one is too great for the other and no one is too less for the other. We are all for one another. And I believe that this will make us a very deep church. A deep one another fellowship. A fellowship that is ultimately unlike anything else in this world. And I believe that as if we, that's what we're called to do. Because if we live as one another people, we will live like no other community of people in this world. This fellowship is not like the workplace. It's not like a country club. It's not like a chess club, a book club, or any other type of club. It's entirely different. This fellowship is so, so much more because we are here for one another and not just for ourselves. If you go back to 1 John 7 passage, or excuse me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, the author writes, But if we walk in the light and He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The point is that we are a one another fellowship. We are in this together. We are working together. We are serving together. We are loving together. We are one another. We are all members of one body as 1 Corinthians 12 teaches. So for us to live in one another fellowship, it ultimately means that we live the one another's of God's word out. So what are some of those one another's? As I've already said, there's so many, I don't have time to explain them all, but most of them are fairly self-explanatory. But just listen to these as I read through these passages. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. Romans 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Romans 15, verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. 
For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That's a hard one, ain't it? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Encourage one another. Build one another up. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Hebrews 3, verse 13 says this, But exhort one another every day, as long as it called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's another hard one, ain't it? It's another hard one. Hebrews 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to steer up one another to love and good works. The word there, steer, is another word for spur. Let us spur up one another. You know, think of spurs. And when, you, when you hit a horse with spurs, it, it get a little giddy-giddy going, don't you? So the point is to, to spur one another along, to, to steer up one another, to encourage one another. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Ooh, that's another hard one, ain't it? Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, we read this last week. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace. So as you can clearly see throughout God's Word, it teaches us to live in one another fellowship. To live as one another people. This is what God's Word wants us to be as a church. It's what I want us to be as a church. I hope it's what you want us to be as a church. To live in one another fellowship. To live in a way that is entirely different than anything else in this world. Today we have seen three ways to live in one another fellowship. We live in one another fellowship by being a member of the fellowship, joining in the faith by believing in Jesus and having fellowship with God and Christ, and then joining together with the local church. We live in one another fellowship by being devoted to the fellowship, committing yourself, devoting yourself to being a part of the fellowship. We live in one another fellowship when we Live and by being in one another fellowship, living out the one another's of God's word. Church, I firmly believe that if we can live a fellowship like this, we will be a church that glorifies God, that brings so much glory to God, a church that displays the gospel just by how we live with one another. 
And this fellowship that we have here will be something that is far greater. As I've already said, it's far greater than anything else in this world. Far greater. It's not a community or a club or it's not anything. It's not a team. It is a fellowship in the deepest sense of the word. We will be entirely different because we have something that unites us all. And that is the gospel. That is the gospel. Where else in this world do you see older men and women hanging out with younger men and women? Where else in this world do you see people of all different types of cultures and backgrounds and races hanging out together for one cause? Where else in this world do you see people of different jobs and different, different hobbies and different things that they enjoy and like in this world hanging out together in one place? Nowhere else. The church is unlike anything else in this world. And God designed it to be that way because when we live like that, we display His glory to those around us. And ultimately, we become a very compelling community. A community that compels people to want to know what is happening. Why do these people live like they live? Because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. There's, if you're here today and you have never experienced a fellowship like I've explained today, maybe you're here and you are seeking a place to be a part of. Maybe you're seeking something to be a part of, whether you're going to different other groups of people and you're trying to find a way to fit in. I want you to know that today there is nothing in this world that can satisfy you other than being a part of the fellowship of God. Nothing in this world can satisfy you the way that God can satisfy you. Friend, there is nothing in this world that can satisfy you other than being in the fellowship with God, having a relationship with Him. And I want you to know that today you can have fellowship with with God. You can enter into a relationship with God and become a member of this very fellowship here at Neely's Bend. The Bible in Romans 3.23 teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, meaning that our sin has brought upon us death. We will all one day die a physical death here on this earth because of sin. However, Romans 6.23 continues and says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, I want you to know that your sin has separated you from God. Your sin has brought death upon yourself, but God sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. To pay the penalty you owed for your sins. And because of Jesus, because of what He did, in Christ alone, not because of anything that we can do, you now have an opportunity to respond and believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, to call upon His name and receive the free gift of salvation that Romans 6.23 teaches us. And you will have that relationship restored with God, and you will have fellowship with God and with the church. 
If this is you today, I want to encourage you to come and have a conversation with me about the decision you are making. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much this morning for Jesus, Lord. We thank you for your gospel and way that the gospel unites us as believers, Lord. Of how because of your gospel we're able to, to gather here today and worship you, Lord, and praise you and bring you glory. Lord God, I just pray that you will just help us as a church to continue to live out our mission statements and help us to live in one another fellowship, Lord. Help us to live out the one another's in your word. And God, I pray if there's one here that doesn't have fellowship with you, that today is the day that they give their life to you and they commit themselves to become devoted to you by following you, Lord, believing you and confessing your name, Lord. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.